welcome you back to our look at Romans chapter 15 together. This is uh, day five, our last day in our look through this chapter. We're going to be looking at verses 22 to 33. The last couple days, we've been looking at the heart of Paul's ministry. As we jump into verse 22 and then go to the end of this chapter, you get an insight not only into the heart of Paul's ministry, but also into the actions of Paul's ministry. This is one of the most used of all of God's servants. And here in these verses is an outline of how he did things, how he organized his tasks, how he organized his days. And I want to learn from him. I'm sure you want to learn from this man that was so used of God to make a difference in this world. The actions of Paul's ministry, as you read this, you get some wisdom as to the realities of ministry. And what I'd like to do is just walk through these verses, read a little bit, and then comment on what it says about the actions of ministry, and read a little more and comment about what it says about the actions of ministry. A little bit different look at this today. In verse 22, he says, this is why I have often been hindered from coming to you. When I read the word hindered, it's a reminder to me that Ministry does not always work out like I want it to. It doesn't always work out like you want it to. Paul, even Paul, was often hindered from doing what he wanted, but he didn't quit. He knew that God had something else. You may at some point have been hindered from doing some type of ministry that you wanted to do, and you may have given up because of that, thinking that it was some sign that God didn't want to use you, or maybe, more frankly, it was because you got angry and you didn't want to be hurt again. Paul, in his daily actions of ministry, was often hindered from doing what he wanted to do. So what did he do? He didn't get caught up in where he was hindered. He looked for where he was unhindered. He looked for where he could serve. Verse 23, continuing through this passage, he says, But now there is no more place for me to work in these regions. And since I've been longing for many years to see you, before we go on to the next verse, he talks here about the fact There's no more place for me to work here, so I think I'm going to move on. That's a pretty good indication of how Paul did ministry. There's nothing else to do here. The works are done here, so I'm going to move on to what's next. Two incredible things there. First, he says, I stayed until I was finished. I got everything done that I could do here. But then he also says, I realized I wasn't the one to do everything here. It's time to move on. Somebody else needs to come in and finish up this work. It's time to move on. That is one of the most difficult things in ministry. When God has given you especially a success in a ministry, it is incredibly difficult to say, all right, it's time to leave that behind and go to something different. But Paul, in his daily way of how he did ministry, realized I'm going to have a success in ministry, God's going to work through it, and then there comes a point when I move on, and someone else comes in and has a different success in that place. The idea that you're going to have one success in ministry and you're going to build on that for the rest of your life That's just a pipe dream. That's never going to happen. That's not how God works. If you want to really see how God works, it's to work till you're finished with what you're doing and then look for what's next. And that means letting go. And letting go is painful because there is some grief to that. There is some hurt to that. There is loss in grief. There's no grief without loss and there's no loss without pain. And that pain, that hurt, causes us to want to hold on sometimes too long. So he's reminding us here, finish up what you got to do and then move on to what's next. Now in verse 24, he says, I've been longing for many years to see you. In verse 24, and so I plan to do so when I go to Spain. I hope to visit you while passing through and to have you assist me in my journey there after I've enjoyed your company for a while. He says, I plan to do so. Plan. He uses, Paul uses the word plan. It is okay to make plans in ministry. 
The idea that truly serving Christ is somehow just sort of doing whatever comes to your mind that day and not making plans, it's not found in the New Testament. It is not found in the life of the Apostle Paul. Paul, in just this passage, verses 22 to 33, you see that he's planning three different trips in order to do ministry. He's planning to go from Corinth, where he is right now, down to Jerusalem. And then he's planning to go from Jerusalem to Rome to see the people that he's writing to. And then he tells them, I'm planning to go from Rome on to Spain. Corinth to Jerusalem was about 800 miles. Jerusalem to Rome, that's about 1,500 miles. Rome to Spain, about 700 miles. 3,000 miles in that day, walking was no small task. And Paul had to plan in advance in order to accomplish his task of ministry. It's okay to make plans in ministry. In verse 25, he says, Now, however, I am on my way to Jerusalem in the service of the saints there. For Macedonia and Achaia were pleased to make a contribution for the poor among the saints in Jerusalem. They were pleased to do it, and indeed, they owe it to them. For if the Gentiles have a share in the Jews' spiritual blessings, they owe it to the Jews to share with them in their material blessings. Paul is talking here about an offering that he took up in all the churches because the churches in Jerusalem were suffering financially. They were going through even times of famine. And so he's taking this offering from all the churches back to Jerusalem. A couple of interesting things in these verses. First, the importance of giving and of leading in giving as a servant. Paul spent a significant amount of time taking up this offering and delivering it. That's part of ministry, is us giving and then us making sure that the gifts get to people who have the needs. Don't miss out on that because Paul spent a lot of time doing that and effectively serving God. It's also interesting to note here that Paul says, when he talks about the people of Macedonia and Achaia, that they were pleased to make this offering. Now, if you've read 2 Corinthians, you know that everybody wasn't pleased to give this offering. Paul had to encourage them to be pleased. But in the end, they ended up being pleased. And here, he doesn't tell the whole story. He just tells the end of the story. And that's a reminder to me that it's not a lie to not tell all of the story sometimes. If someone struggled in their faith and they've come to a point of great faith, you don't have to always say, well, they struggled in their faith first and then they made this decision. It's okay to say they were pleased. It's okay to say they had faith. Now, it's not wrong to say they struggled. But it also, Paul reminds us that sometimes you just need to hear the end of the story. That builds our faith. In verse 28, as we go on, he says, So, after I completed this task and made sure that they received this fruit, I'll go on to Spain, and I'll visit you on the way. What he's reminding us here is that ministry is first one thing, and then it's the next. First, I'm going to do this task, and then I'm going to come see you, and then I'm going to go on to Spain. So you complete what you're doing, and then you move on to the next thing. You complete what you're doing, and then you move on to the next thing. Now, that may seem very simple, but as I indicated earlier, it is often violated. Often what happens is we're in the middle of doing something and we sense God's call for the next thing. Paul knew he was going to go to Spain someday. And church history tells us he probably did. We're not certain that he did, but church history tells us he probably did. Paul knew that he was planning to do that someday, even in the midst of his taking this offering to Jerusalem. Now, oftentimes when you and I get caught up in something like that, we we say, well, I'm going to drop this offering because I feel God's call to go to Spain now. Now, sometimes God lines up his callings in advance. And first you complete what you're doing now, and then you know what the next thing is to do. Finish what you have before you, and then go on to the next call. Paul says in verse 29, I know that when I come to you, I will come in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. That phrase, the full measure of the blessing of Christ, says a lot about Paul's actions of ministry. There is an attitude behind those actions that makes all the difference. 
I can go and I can minister in my own confidence, my own capabilities, and that'll take me just about as far as my own confidence goes. Or I can go in the full measure of the blessing of Christ. And the New Testament tells us that this is not just something Paul had. Every believer has the full measure of the blessing of Christ. Jesus has put his spirit into us. He's put his blessing on us in full measure. And so you can go in that confidence and not your own confidence. And then in verse 30, he talks about the importance of prayer in the daily actions of ministry. He says, I urge you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to join me in my struggle by praying to God for me. Pray that I may be rescued from the unbelievers in Judea, that my service in Jerusalem may be acceptable to the saints there, so that by God's will I may come to you with joy and together be with you and be refreshed. The God of peace be with you all. Amen. Notice he says, by God's will. How specific should our prayers be? Is it a lack of faith to pray if it is God's will? Well, Paul prayed that way twice in Romans. And James says, if I say I'm going to go to this city or I'm going to do this thing without saying if it's God's will, I'm somehow missing out on truly praying in God's will. What he's reminding us here of is that we have to distinguish between the general and the particular will of God. The general will of God is what you see revealed in the New Testament. And you know that's God's will. It's God's will for you to get close to Christ and talk to him on a daily basis and, and to read his word and to love your neighbor. Those are God's will. But the particular will of God, that has more to do with your life. What city should you live in? What ministry should you be serving in today? Who should you marry? And that always you have to pray if it's God's will because there's no verse in the Bible that tells you. So as you pray, you pray with the confidence that comes out of verses where you know exactly what the Bible says. And you also pray with humility to say, I'm not sure I know God's will in other areas, but I'm open, I'm listening. In fact, as we end this look at the way that Paul organized his ministry, isn't it great that he organized his ministry, those of you that are organizers? As we look at this end of this passage, let's end by doing what Paul encouraged us to do here, by praying. Lord, we pray together. And as Paul reminds us, when we pray, we pray motivated by the love of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of the Holy Spirit. And as we pray, we join in other struggles. So today, as we pray, instead of praying about our ministry and what we want to see happen in my life, Lord, I pray about somebody else's ministry. And you might just bring somebody to mind right now. One of the things that Paul reminds us to pray of here is to pray that people might be rescued. So pray that they'd be rescued from difficult circumstances. And if you happen to be thinking of a missionary in some dangerous country right now, that rescue is a very real thing. Or maybe it's just someone who needs to be rescued from some of the um, remarks that they've been hearing lately, some of the discouragements that have been thrown their way lately. Ask God to rescue them. Paul reminds us here to pray that our ministry would be acceptable to the saints. So pray that for the person you're thinking of right now. God, help them to serve in such a way that this ministry is an acceptable offering. And I pray also for the people that they're serving, that they listen in such a way that they would accept this service that's being given to them as a gift. They wouldn't reject it. And then pray for the person you're thinking of right now. Pray for God's will in their life, in those areas where they need to make decisions. They're not certain of what's next. That God's will would be shown clearly step by step and moment by moment. And then humility, they would discover God's will with joy. And as Paul says here, the result of discovering God's will is that with joy we come together and we are refreshed. Pray that they would have joy and refreshment in their life. The God of peace 
be with you all. Paul ends his prayer. Amen. Next week, we're going to finish together our look at the book of Romans, Romans chapter 16. This chapter has wonderful insight into how God has a plan to use each of us in unique ways. (laughs) 